Oh, hey there. You're listening to Cinema 5000. I am Mallory, your host, to, here to tell you that is about films I have recently seen. Lucky for you, this is a very action-packed episode with only 2022 new release films. So where do, what, what number are we at? What number am I at, rather? All right, so on the letterbox, of course, username M-M-M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. That's Mallory with three M's. Um, we're at 4,870 films. That's awesome. So that's exactly 130 to go. Can I get to 130 by the end of the year? That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is 5,000. But what if I did that? Would that be cool? I think so. Um, yeah. Let's just get going because I only saw new movies and I saw... How many did I see in a theater? I saw three of them in the theater and I saw three of them at home, as in new movies on streaming services. So we're going to kick things off with the first film that I saw. I saw it just last week. It is the, of course, 2022 brand new release directed by Simon Curtis. It is Downton Abbey, A New Era. Downton Abbey, A New Era. The tagline goes like this. Discover the mystery. Picture the possibilities. Experience a new era. The Crawley family goes on a grand journey to the south of France to uncover the mystery of the Dowager Countess's newly inherited villa. But that's not all. That is not all we get in this film. We also get a film crew moving into Downton Abbey to make a movie. And why are they making a movie on Downton Abbey property? Well, Lady Mary is put in charge where everybody's gone to um, the south of France. And uh, it turns out they're a little strapped for cash and they've got a leak in the roof. So might as well let the wonderful film crew come on <laughs> come on to the property and film their movie. Oh, boy. Um, so I, uh, I need to be up front and say uh, I've never actually seen the TV show Downton Abbey. <laughs> I have, however, seen the film. So they're totally pleasant, easygoing British dramas with slight comedic touches, upstairs, downstairs, dramatics, family issues, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's pretty inoffensive, but for what it is, I mean, if it's not your bag, that's that's fine. I get it. Um, <laughs> we're talking about movies based upon a, T, a PBS program. Okay. Um, yeah, my family is a big fan of the show, but I've just never watched it. It's not because I'm like opposed to it or anything like that. It just was just something I just didn't get into. And yes, I did see this movie with my parents. But anyway, Lady Mary, who is played by the wonderful Michelle Dockery, um, she's <laughs> working with this film crew as they uh, they come on to the, the Downton estate. Is it an estate? I don't know. What would you say? I am. It's really late and I just want to get this over with in some respect but we're not going to dwell too much on Downton Abbey and what it does um, there are actors there are filmmakers on the property and she ends up get this Lady Mary finds herself doing some sound work for the picture wow it's crazy uh, the actors in the film <laughs> are of course you know actors they are very proper and also a little bit um difficult to deal with. One of the actors is played by Dominic West, who, if you know anything about Dominic West, he is 
kind of a sleazy looking guy and he plays a sleazy kind of actor. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't want to make this entire podcast about this movie, but I'll just say for what Downton Abbey a new era is as far as intrigue and mystery regarding this estate that, uh, Maggie Smith's Dowager Countess has inherited and what's going on behind the scenes. You know, you get little hit bits here and there, but just know that because this is a movie based upon something from a show, that everything gets wrapped up in the end and all is well. And as a continuation of what I have seen from the first movie, um, it was totally pleasant. And I actually think I enjoyed this movie a little more than the first film. Um, everybody's nice. It's pleasant. I actually think the production design and costumes in this are quite exquisite. There's a lot of really beautiful reds and um, some very Robin's egg-like blues and icy blues that uh, really highlight some things about the, the story in lovely visual ways. So I would say, yes, don't go out your, of your way to see this if you're not into Downton Abbey, of course, but at the same time, if you saw this on television, um, it's not, you could, you could spend worse ways for about two hours just hanging out with the fancy dressed folk and the, the servants and all the stuff going on with them. I gave this three stars on Letterboxd. It's, you know, it's fine. It's good. It's, it's very pleasant. And like I said, you could do worse. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, if you follow the, uh, Twitter account for Cinema 5000, Cinema 5K is the, uh, Twitter handle. Um, I, uh, did say some disparaging things about the movie Lightyear and how I was questioning why exactly a movie like this would exist. The tagline is, Infinity Awaits. Legendary space ranger Buzz Lightyear embarks on an intergalactic adventure alongside a group of ambitious recruits and his robot companion, Socks. So, the sort of hook for this is that Disney has said, this is like an actual thing, believe it or not, they've said that Lightyear is the movie that Andy, the character from the Toy Story films who owns the Buzz Lightyear toy and the Woody toy, um, Andy went and saw this movie, Lightyear, in the theaters when he was like 12 years old or so, um, which is pretty ridiculous as far as being a marketing tool for people to go see Lightyear because, um, let's put it this way, Lightyear is a movie made in 2022, made for release in 2022, and looks like a movie released for 2022. So if we're talking mid-90s movies that are about space and other things, they don't look like this. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's my complaint, something I have brought up, um, but I went and saw Lightyear because my sister asked me to go and we both have like the Regal Unlimited, so it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll go. It doesn't cost me any money. Like, what, 50 cents to reserve a seat? Oh, big deal. I can find 50 cents in my car right now. Um, but yeah, so Buzz Lightyear is voiced by Chris Evans, and the voice cast includes people like Kiki Palmer, Teka Watiti, um, and I'm not going to say any more. Um, but <laughs> so Buzz Lightyear um, finds himself doing things to try to um, do Space Ranger things. It's, he's Buzz Lightyear. What else do I need to explain? But um, General Zerg um, does attack at one point, and he needs to try to help his friends and, you know, save, save the save the planet they're on. Um, this is not a good movie. I am so sorry. Um, it is nice to look at. I think the animation is good. I think Chris Evans is fine as Buzz Lightyear. I liked Kiki Palmer's character. Um, I did like some of the Space Ranger stuff, but 
My biggest complaint with this movie, setting aside the whole Andy thing, the whole toy thing, is that there's really nothing very exciting about this movie. It is something that when I look at it, it's nice to look at, but it also looks a bit gray and dark. And um, unfortunately, there's just nothing very exciting. There's not a lot of humor in this. There is a wonderful animatronic cat, the robot cat, Socks. Oh my god. It's everything to do with Socks is great. Like Socks has these little bits where Socks will be utilized to save the day in some way. And um, I, I love Socks. Socks is the reason to see this movie or watch it on Disney Plus in like a month and a half, um, which I think a lot of people are unfortunately going to be doing. I don't know. Um, it made like $50 million at the box office and part of me is like, oh, it should have made more money. And then part of me is like, well, maybe not. Maybe people are just busy with, you know, finishing up school and graduation and they weren't really prioritizing going to see this movie. I don't know. Um, $50 million isn't really anything to to sniff at, you know, these days, period. I don't care what your movie is. But for what Lightyear is, I can't recommend it. I only gave it a two and a half. Um, I think this movie takes too much time trying to reference um, things that we know about space and robots that are very, very familiar, but not really exciting, not really refreshing, like too many sort of throwbacks and ideas about Buzz Lightyear and who he is to like older notions of space travel. And I think that's where the movie gets a little confused because it is a movie that is trying to show technically advanced things and references to current technology, but it also fails to utilize those things in ways that really, um, give us something to maybe chew on or just think about. It feels, it feels like this movie was just made, made under Pixar and tried to follow the rhythms and things that Pixar does, but the actual character of Buzz Lightyear and who he is, even if he's supposed to be not a toy and be a human being, um, doesn't really work in that mold because so much of what Pixar does is like emotional and about family. And yeah, those things are brought up within the film, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't feel successful. It feels disappointing and it's really too bad. But, um, if you're going to watch it, um, you won't be disappointed by Socks. Socks is a good cat, even if it's a robot. Um, (laughs) moving on. Uh, so later the day of watching Lightyear, I decided to venture into the new streaming offers that are now online. I decided to watch Cha-Cha Real Smooth, the new film directed by Cooper Cooper Rafe. Um, This movie played at the Sundance Film Festival and was then bought up by Apple. So Apple has this on Apple TV+. So you can watch Cha-Cha Real Smooth if you want to. Um, Here's the summary. Fresh out of college and stuck at his New Jersey home without a clear path forward, 22-year-old Andrew begins working as a party starter for bar slash bat mitzvahs, where he strikes up a unique friendship with a young mom and her teenage daughter. Um, so yeah, it's another one of those films where a man gets out of college and doesn't know what he's gonna do with his life. I don't know, have you guys ever seen a movie like that before? I don't know, I think I have a couple times here and there. Um, what this movie does or rather doesn't do, is it really appealed to me because I thought this was a very obnoxious, just under two hours, wannabe rom-com with some dramatic elements, 
Um, Dakota Johnson plays the older woman who this young man falls for. And I thought she was sleepwalking through this. She just did her Dakota Johnson things of just kind of being like, yeah, okay, all right, okay. And sometimes that really works. But in this film, I, uh, I think she was very bad. And I hated the writing for her character. I hated Cooper Rafe's character, Andrew. I thought he was so obnoxious. Um, and I feel bad for the girl who's playing the daughter to Domino, um, Dakota Johnson's character, because she could have been given some interesting things to do, but then there's just, like, these indie conventions, like, for things that, like, a child who is just a little different, I'm not going to say much about it, um, but things that just make quirkiness the story rather than what these people are like and what their emotions are and it just, uh, it's just it's it's a it's it's bad and it doesn't help that it had Leslie Mann in it and Brad Garrett because I am just not a fan of either of them because those are two performers that no matter what their characters are going through because they have some certain comedic things to do with how they perform that they just can't transcend the material to really paint like new characters. At least that's the way it is for me. Um, I am fully aware that this is going to be a movie that some people are going to watch and just really fall in love and then find very charming, but I found most of this to be really obnoxious and I'm tired of movies being made like this because this just doesn't have anything new to say and it ends exactly the way you think it's going to end. So I do not recommend Cha-Cha real smooth, but I am very much aware this might be very much a film for most people. Anyway, let's change subjects. Another new-ish film as far as 2022 releases go. This, I think this also played at the Sundance Film Festival. Um, this is the film directed by Sophia Sophie Hyde, not Sophia, starring Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack. It's good luck to you, Leo Grand. All right, I'll just be upfront and say this was a good movie. I gave it three stars. Um, it is not a romance per se, but it is a human drama. Tagline goes like this. It's never too late to try something new. You can find this movie on the streaming service Hulu, by the way. And the summary goes like this. Nancy Stokes doesn't know good sex. Whatever it may be, Nancy, a retired school teacher, is pretty sure she's never had it. But she is determined to finally do something about that. She even has a plan. It involves an anonymous hotel room and a young sex worker, worker who calls himself Leo Grant. So this is the kind of movie that you would just be like, oh, is this based on a play? Like, what's going on? No, 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 no. It's Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick, both sitting in a hotel room and having conversations, occasionally engaging in things, but getting to know more about each other, and also why exactly they are brought together. So there's not a lot I can really spoil in a movie like this because it is merely just two people having interactions and learning things about each other. But if you are looking for a movie that is not your typical kind of... I don't want to say it's a romantic film, but it does have things in it that, you know, lean the way that romantic comedies go without being overtly funny and hilarious. It is, it is, yeah, it's a human, okay, let's just say it's an unconventional love story of sorts. But, um, yeah, Emma Thompson is really wonderful in this movie and she doesn't really overplay this character, um, who has these hangups and quirks to her, 
Um, she's not quirky in the way that something like a cha-cha real smooth character would be quirky. It's more so just the things that make her human and have these things about her that um, are just a little offbeat. And Daryl Cormack's um, Leo Grand, like he is very much playing a role when he interacts with Nancy, but he's also fully aware that he can go outside of those things a little bit here and there and help that interaction between her and him because he is fully upfront with her and he says, you know, I can leave anytime you want me to. I do not have to be here if you don't want me here. If you want me here, I'll stay. If you don't want me here, I won't. I will do anything you want me to do. So the back and forth between them, you know, opens some doors and reveals some things about each other. And um, for a movie that is just a little bit over 90 minutes, I hard for me to see anybody not enjoying this movie unless you just really hate movies where people are just two people in a room talking and learning more about each other but it has some good conversations about what pleasure is and why we want the things we want and what drives us to go certain ways in our lives and uh, I think it's a good film I gave it three stars I mean it's it's reminded me it reminded me of a couple other films I've seen sort of like this but I think it does everything it wants to do fairly well. Um, if anything I have a complaint about, it's that it maybe could have gone a little deeper with their conversations and maybe had some more interactions because it, it feels a little bit limited as a film. But I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying this is a movie that could have maybe... it. Okay, not a bad thing to say. It maybe, maybe made me feel like I wanted more out of it, I guess. I, yeah, you could do worse, obviously. And like I said, you can find, good luck to you, Leo Grand, on the streaming service Hulu. In the United States, that is. All right, so another new streaming film. Okay, so I didn't know what I was going to watch. I knew there were a number of new 2022 releases. So last night, I just went for it. I went for Spiderhead. Uh, the new film directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who also directed the new Top Gun Maverick movie, um, Spiderhead is on Netflix. Um, it stars Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. The tagline is, how far would you go to fix human nature? Summary goes like this. A prisoner in a state-of-the-art penitentiary begins to question the purpose of emotion-controlling drugs he's testing for a pharmaceutical genius. He's being tested by this pharmaceutical genius. So, okay, I didn't know a lot about Spiderhead before I turned it on. I just knew it was directed by Joseph Kaczynski and how he had done Top Gun Maverick. So I was like, um, if I'm going to watch a newer film, I might as well give this a shot because who knows? Um, Kaczynski's a very competent filmmaker. I really like Tron Legacy. I did not see Only the Brave, his other newer film. Um, but like I said about Top Gun Maverick in a previous episode. I really enjoyed that. Um, Oblivion, his other movie with Tom Cruise, uh, I think it starts out okay, but I really don't like the back half of that film. But anyway, Spiderhead. So Miles Teller is um, working with Chris Hemsworth. So Chris Hemsworth is basically like, let's put it this way, Elon Musk, Elizabeth Holmes, tech bro, but emotional studies <laughs> drugs and stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah, so Chris Hemsworth is like really hemming it up. And when this movie starts, it starts with a song by, I believe it was Super Tramp. Um, I think, it, yeah. Uh, hmm. This movie is like, how do I say this? This movie is so reliant on music to sort of pump up and make things more interesting than they are because a lot of what this movie is doing is seeing if Chris Hemsworth is somebody that you can actually believe has good intentions. And no, 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 no. We don't believe that. No, there's no, there's no way. Like nothing good will come of this. Um, Miles Teller's character has made some bad choices in life, which is why he's in this penitentiary. Pretty much everybody there is there because they did something bad. And later in the film, we learn what happened to Journey Smollett's character. Um, I actually really liked her in this. I liked her character, how she played her, how she interacted with Miles Teller. Miles Teller, I'm, I'm just not a, I'm not a fan. I know people are big into him, but um, no. And Chris Hemsworth, um, I don't think he's bad, but I really think Thor is the the best character he'll probably ever play because um, I did, I thought he was absolutely terrible in Black Hat and him being, playing another tech person in a movie, I just don't find very believable. Oh, it's just too bad. Um, <laughs> because he's a very attractive guy and he has a certain amount of charisma, but at the same time, I don't think he's very good in much of anything. Um, but yeah, so Spiderhead is about these trials that Miles Teller's character is going through and he has a woman he interacts with. Um, she is not Journey Smollett. Um, this woman he interacts with in tests, um, because bad stuff happens to women in this movie and none of it is very enjoyable and it's just sad. Um, I think the script for this movie is really crap. Um, this is a newer movie. I don't really want to spoil it much, but, um, it reminded me so much of The Island, and Chris Hemsworth reminded me so much of Sean Bean's character, and yeah, it's about these people interacting together, and they think there's good intentions behind it, but there's just, there's just not. It's going for this futuristic thing, you know, everything's really cold, um, concrete design as far as the facility they're in, and then there's, like, white rooms, and all that stuff and monitors and blah, blah, blah. Um, this movie just kind of sucked. I, I hated the script so much. I hated, like I said, I hated Chris Hemsworth in this. Oh, I don't really hate him. I just really hated his character and I don't really care for Miles Teller. So it's like, it just like, I, it was a movie I probably should have turned off because unfortunately when it was over and things more progressed towards the end, I just, it started out okay, but it just got worse and worse and worse as it came to a close. And again, it relied so heavily on all these music cues. It was just like, oh, so you made this movie and you realized it's just really flat. So you threw the music in there to give it something more punchy and make people like into it. Because if you pick good music for a movie um, that people know, it's easy for them to get on board with it, like stuff that they have heard and if you use the cue right, but none of the cues are very good in this. Um, and I just found the story kind of gross and kind of been there, done that. And like I said, it reminded me of the island. I don't know why I'm still talking about this. As I said, it's on Netflix. <laughs> um, but if I had seen this movie in a theater, 
I would have probably thought this was one of the worst movies I've ever seen because there's so many glaring issues with the storytelling and it just, it just felt, uh, it's just crap. It's such crap. I'm so sorry. I know people are going to enjoy this movie, especially since like Miles Teller's on the up and up, but like, ooh, no, this was so not a me film. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Here's what you really want to hear about. Okay. So the movie that I enjoyed the most from the last number of films that I've seen that are brand new releases. I actually just got out of the theater tonight and came home and now I'm talking to you. I saw the brand new film from Baz Luhrmann, the new film Elvis starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. The tagline, the man, the legend, the king of rock and roll. What else needs to be said about Elvis? But the summary goes like this. The life story of Elvis Presley as seen through the complicated relationship with his enigmatic manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Okay, guys. So I'll be upfront and say this. I thought the trailers for this movie looked like crap. I was just like, well, it's it's Baz Luhrmann. So it's going to be really ridiculous and really out there and pushing a lot of boundaries and doing things that maybe shouldn't do. Because if anybody doesn't really know how to edit themselves, it's Baz Luhrmann. He's an extremely flamboyant and boisterous kind of filmmaker and does not hold back if he wants to do a certain kind of style. Like he leans into it and I don't blame him. You know, if people are giving you money to make the movie you want to make, you make the movie you want to make. And that's something you get with Baz Luhrmann. His movies feel like the movie he wants to make, for better or worse. <laughs> so the first trailer I saw for this movie with the Tom Hanks narration, I was just like, oh, sweet Jesus, what are we doing? This is the movie that Tom Hanks got COVID on when everything went to shit in like just about the second week of March in 2020. So yeah, I was prepared for this movie to just not be very good. Um, Austin Butler in the trailers, I was just kind of like, well, he looks good. But is he Elvis? That's the question. So as the movie started, I was just kind of like, okay, this is going to be a big thing. It's like, this movie is, it's 159 minutes long. So we're talking, it's a long ass movie. When you get closer to the three hour mark, that's when movies are like make it or break it. Like it could feel long in the tooth. It could just be so, so much like length and too much material that you're suffering and you're just like, how can I get through this? Or if it's like really, really good and it's really, really long, you're just like, am I tired or do I have to go to the bathroom really bad or something like that? You know, if a long movie is long, it better be damn good. It better be entertaining. It better make me want to sit in my seat and still take it in. And I will say for Elvis, for a movie that is this long and is a modern movie that is this long and maybe something I had a bit of, you know, apprehensive feelings about, um, I was actually pretty impressed with this movie. <laughs> um, Austin Butler from start to finish is absolutely incredible as Elvis. Like he commits, he sings in the movie and there are times I know he was lip syncing and I could not really tell. Um, his... I don't want to say his impersonation of Elvis. I want to say his take on Elvis, I think is quite brilliant. He like brings a lot of humanity to the role. Luckily, the writing for what he has to do as Elvis and Baz Luhrmann's direction is just spot on. It's, it's a very affectionate movie to not just who Elvis was and his legacy, but also his music and the story he tells with his songs. Um, I'll be upfront and say, I actually think I want to go see this movie again um, with an audience again. Um, because when I saw it tonight, the theater was maybe 
I want to say at best like two thirds full. Um, and people clapped at the end. They were very happy with it. Um, there are some musical sequences in this movie, which gave me absolutely like big time chills. Um, just the way it was shot, it, it felt like, it felt like cinema, you know, like I, I, I watched movies at home. I watched movies in the theater and sometimes it feels like movies aren't made the way they should be. There's like not enough envelope pushing, not enough care, enough care to the look. The cinematography is a good, Elvis is a beautiful looking movie. There's a lot, a lot of different imagery as the years go on. A lot of changes to colorization and costume design, production design. Like this movie feels, it feels epic though epic in Baz Luhrmann's way like you know the flamboyant and gaudiness of it like Elvis is a perfect match for a filmmaker like Baz Luhrmann and like I said I was so scared this movie would be just terrible and bad to sit through and maybe I would fall asleep but that was not the case I think for a movie that leans so much into the conventions all the things that make those conventions you know work are the things that you get with someone like Baz Luhrmann. I, I doubt he will ever make a movie as good as this one, which is me giving him high praise because he is a filmmaker where the stuff just goes either way. Like it's either great and it's ridiculous or it's just ridiculous and it's, it's too much. It's not edited. It's just too indulgent. And yeah, this movie has indulgent moments, especially since we're talking about performance pieces and how big Elvis was and how much he was adored. But there's a lot of affection and care for who Elvis was in this movie. And yeah, it's maybe not as honest as it could be because, you know, it's a movie. It's made with the, it's, it's I believe, with the well wishes of the Elvis family. So Lisa Marie Presley um, briefly um, did a little thing blurb from a screening that they showed before the movie because it was an Elvis fan event um, where she said like this was the movie done right about her, her about her father so okay um I'll take her word for it and just keep that in mind like when you're watching a movie and it's about a famous person it's going to not only have the perspective that is approved maybe by the family but also going to be that filmmaker's perspective of it so this isn't like the Wikipedia article and I'll be all of who Elvis was because I don't doubt that's a long article, but at the same time, for a movie that is, um, it's over two and a half hours long, that is supposed to be entertainment, it is extremely entertaining. Something I really liked about the film was that as it progressed and told you so much about Elvis's life, it never really forgot where he came from. It talked a lot about the um, neighborhood he had some time in in Nashville and how he befriended, you know, performers like Baby King and also interacted with, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Little Richard and other performers. And those performers all get their moments to shine and like perform. And it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing because there's plenty of performance pieces for Elvis, but there's also performance pieces for other performers that he you know, ran into, and it's not in a, like, kind of, okay, this is where it's not too indulgent. It wants to give you those things to, like, really paint a picture of what influenced Elvis, and it does it with some care. Now, granted, 
this is a movie made by a white man and he's a big fan of Elvis so everything's gonna make Elvis look amazing but I liked how this story of Elvis and how it progresses um just had a lot of respect for the things he was you know doing and he he does in the film like say you know this is the music of so-and-so this is the music of you know the blues and the r&b and in just making sure he talks about that so yeah i mean he's a bit of an appropriator everybody knows that of elvis but the movie also acknowledges you know where that came from and wants to show us as an audience like where he learned these things and how they came about um so it is it it's it's a movie. It's meant to be entertainment. It's not meant to necessarily be a documentary. It's meant to show Elvis in a very positive light. Um, But it does talk about the dark side of Elvis, and that also is where Tom Hanks comes in. So the dark stuff, as far as the controlling nature of Colonel Tom Parker, I was really afraid. I I would think Tom Hanks was very bad in this movie. (laughs) Um, But no, I actually thought he was pretty good, and the makeup is a lot, but it's, it's also okay because this is this is an Elvis movie. This is a big movie. This is something where, you know, Elvis puts on the Elvis outfits. And so Tom Hanks is putting on the Colonel Tom Parker outfit. Um, it's, it's successful. It's a really successful film. I don't want to, you know, keep talking about how much I loved it, but I'll just say I, I didn't love it, love it, but, um, it's something I, I can see myself watching again and really still getting a lot out of it, especially since Austin Butler's performance as Elvis is just really, it's complete. It's all there. He goes all in. He really sells it. I never looked at him and thought of the other movies I've seen him in, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh no. Um, I bought him as Elvis and big credit to Baz Luhrmann for really layering this story and telling about Elvis in ways that made me, you know, feel feel bad for him because he was going through so much and his career and his personal life and how him being a musician was something that people didn't really want to see and all those other things. I'll just say it again. Elvis is a, it is a very successful movie. It is a very entertaining film and I I definitely recommend it, especially if you're interested in Elvis and maybe have, you know, some feelings about his music that are positive. But if you don't like Elvis, if you think he sucks, you think he's an appropriator, um, this is probably not the movie for you. It's not going to really change your mind about that because he, he was who he was. But like I said, as far as a cinematic experience, there's, there's a lot here that is done so, so well. And I have to, I have to mention, um, the cinematography done by Mandy Walker, I think is, I think is great. Mandy Walker also did the movies Australia, which is the Boslerman film. Um, looking at her filmography, she hasn't done any other work with Boslerman, but um, she also did the movie Mulan and Hidden Figures. And I think as far as period work and shooting performances, performances, performance pieces that are um, not just outdoors, but also within like a studio or within the the um, Las Vegas stage that he did did at the International Hotel. There's so much good cinematography in this movie. Like it, it, uh, it. There are shots in this movie. I was just like, yeah, that's that's great. This is why I go to the movies. I want to look at stuff that not only 
is nice to look at as far as what's in, within the frame, but also how the frame sets everything up. Just, you know, just really good. Elvis. Okay. <laughs> I liked it. Do you think, do you, do you think I like it? Oh yeah. I liked it. So Tom Hanks, good. Austin Butler, excellent. Baz Luhrmann, you know, really honed himself in here, really made quite the picture, like a really, really good time. And like I said, I was, I was fully prepared for this movie to suck. Okay. So that's enough. <laughs> enough talking about Elvis. You know, I liked it. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's this episode. Wow, we talked about a lot. Um, I have a couple special episodes coming up soon. Not within the next week or so, but in the future. Um, I have the special episode where I'm going to just talk about horror movies. And if you want to see what those horror movies are, I list them out on the Twitter. So go to Cinema 5K for the Twitter account. Um, I did decide on the episode that's going to be the um, <laughs> video podcast or vlog. <laughs> um, but I'm unfortunately not going to be seeing that movie until at least a week after it's been out just because I promised somebody I'd take them to see it. Um, but that will be coming soon. Um, but the next episode, um, I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, the movie, the black phone is coming out and I think I'm going to go see that. So I think you can at least count on that as far as new movies. Um, and the new version of the father, father of the bride with Andy Garcia. I think I want to watch that. I think I also want to watch the one with Spencer Tracy too, because I've never seen that. Um, but uh, another thing you do have to look forward to is I'm going to have another recap episode where I tell you about all the movies I have rewatched, the recap rewatch episode that is. So all the movies I've rewatched, I'm going to talk to you about all of them in one episode and you'll learn what those are when I do it. <laughs> because Obviously, if you've listened to a couple episodes, you know, I only talk about movies that I've seen for the first time. So if you want to know what I've actually been watching again, like what are the repeat movies, things I've already seen before that I'm watching again, maybe giving a star rating or maybe not, uh, you can go to my Letterboxd. So Letterboxd, if you don't know, L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com. So that's Letterboxd. And then the account. As I've said before, it's Mallory with three M's, so M-M-M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. Again, my name is Mallory. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I appreciate the listens. Um, if you want to send me an email, you can send me an email at cinema5kpod at gmail.com. And like I mentioned before, you can check out the Twitter account. It's cinema5k on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you later.